Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hi everyone, if you don't know me, my name's Emma. Happy Mother's Day. Again, to all the, the wives, the sisters, the aunts, the babysitters, the stepmothers, the mums. We love you. We honour you. You are so, so special. Can we just put our um, put hands together again for the ladies one last time? I'm really excited to be sharing the word this morning. We've been looking at what it is to be a house of prayer for all nations, a place of prayer and action. Because we believe that prayer and action are like the breath of faith, that as we inhale in prayer, we exhale in action. That we cannot just do one or the other, but that one should naturally lead into the other. That we don't want to just be a pretty tree with no fruit, but that we want to be a place of peace and hope and love for our community. It's about doing what we can and praying that God does what we can't. It's embodying our prayers. And and today on Mother's Day, I want to look at a passage of scripture that some of the mums in the room may be able to relate to. I want to look at John 13. In verses 12 to 17, it says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you're already moving and we continue to open our hearts up. Would you speak to us? We know that you have um, something for each of us here, God, that you meet us where we're at this morning. We just, um, we draw near to you this morning and we, uh, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 13 is Jesus' last training session with the disciples before he dies. This is the night before his crucifixion. And so he's trying to get them ready for what's going to happen. Not just his death, but the dramatic transformation of who they are and how they see the world when he defeats death and the grave. And they fully, truly realize that this is God. We were walking around behind God in the flesh. And they go out to share the gospel, the good news that God came to us. So he's getting them ready for this, to go out into the world representing him, because getting ready takes work, doesn't it? I was reminded about getting ready to go out somewhere, like a party or an event, you know, the hair, trying to remember what hair looked like before the mum bun, (laughs) you know, pulling out the curling irons with a YouTube video, and then two hours later, after I've burnt my forehead, just deciding that the mum bum was actually the way to go. You know, the makeup, searching, trying to remember where the kids have put your lipstick, the clothes, 
and then the discarded pile of clothes that end up all over the bed and the floor. It's like a marathon before you even head out the door. Or, or maybe that's just for me. And then for those of us with young children, there's a lot to get ready. Do you have your water bottle, lunchbox, a jersey, tissues, a change of clothes, library books, school books? The list goes on, right? And so Jesus distills all of who he is and what he's about into one last lesson. He's getting them ready. And so what does he do? He washes their dirty feet, to which we can understandably ask, why? You know, what does that mean? Well, later on in chapter 13, verse 34, he says, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. He's giving them a picture. And as we all know, you know, pictures sometimes worth more than words. He's saying, love one another as I have loved you. Not just with his words, but in his actions, by washing their feet, he's saying, I have washed your dirty feet. Now you should wash one another's feet. He's embodying prayer. He's showing an action in service that the love he is calling us to is three things that I'd like to look at today. As we look at living out prayer in action, number one, it's not just attraction, it's action. Two, it's not just giving, it's investing. And three, it's not out of our emptiness. So first of all, he's showing, he's calling his followers to a love that's not just attraction, it's action. What does that mean? He washes their feet. There are a lot of ways you can take care of somebody. Like if you watch Downton Abbey, and, and I'm sorry, a lot of my TV references will be dated to when I watched more TV. But did anyone love Downton Abbey? Oh, good. <laughs> I tried to get Jono to watch it with me, but he just refused and he really missed out. But Downton Abbey is set in the 20th century, and, and in Downton Abbey there's lots of valets and ladies' maids, and, and they're all helping the lady and the Lord get ready. And there's lots and lots of rather pleasant and, you know, nice ways to do that. There's brushing their hair and buttoning their dresses and powdering things. And that's not what Jesus is doing here. He doesn't say, as I have fixed your hair, so you should fix one another's hair. He doesn't say that. There's nothing wrong with fixing someone's hair or telling someone that they have something green in their teeth. But why isn't Jesus saying, as I have told you about the broccoli in your teeth, so you should inform others about the broccoli in their teeth? Why? Well, well, that's kind of pleasant. That's nice. But what he is saying is, as I've put my face right up against your dirty feet, so you should wash one another's feet. Now, what are feet? Feet are kind of gross. Sorry to any podiatrists or manicurists out there, but, you know, in the ancient East, we can just remove the kinder. The disciples' feet would have been dirty and smelly. The best example I can think of, especially for the mums in the room, is changing a nappy. Changing nappies is no fun. But has anyone found that changing someone else's baby's nappy is so much worse 
it makes no sense. I mean, poo is poo. But when it's someone else's child's poo, it's worse. Similar situation, everyone had dirty feet. But washing someone else's dirty feet, it's worse. My point is, it's not like fixing somebody's hair. It's not a nice thing to do that you don't mind. You know, hair smells nice. It's smooth. You fix someone here, someone's hair and you say, wow, your hair is beautiful. When Jesus says, wash one another's feet, not fix one another's hair or whatever else, here's what he's saying. Don't just love people that you're attracted to, that you find attractive. You know, our culture essentially defines love as being attracted. If you see someone that you have a desire to be with, we love them. It's love at first sight. But that's not really love. It's attraction. And Jesus is saying, love isn't just liking someone. It's not just a feeling. It's not just attraction. It's action. And when I say attracted, I don't just mean romantic attraction. Like people can be attractive in a whole lot of ways that have nothing to do with romance. We're attracted to success or intelligence. Or even you're just attracted to somebody who has that warm and sunny disposition that makes everyone feel great. We like to be around those people, right? They're people that we want to be friends with. And why? Well, I think this is what it really means to be attracted. Every one of us, we're just a big bundle of needs. We need approval, we need security. We need comfort, we need control, we need all kinds of things. And when we encounter a person that has the ability to meet some of those needs, we feel close to them. We love them, maybe not romantically, but we feel affection towards them. But is that love? C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters has a great line. He says this, In human life, we have seen the passion to almost digest one's fellow, to make his intellect and emotional life an extension of one's own. On earth, this desire is often called love, but in hell, they know what it is. It's hunger. I know that might seem a bit weird, but just go with me. (laughs) See, often I think when we feel love towards someone, what's really happening is that we love how they make us feel. We say, oh, I just love that person. But what we really mean is I love that when I'm with you, I feel smarter. I feel happier. I feel like a better version of myself. We're not loving them. We're loving ourselves through them. We're feeding our need. And what's that? Hunger. And Jesus is saying, no, love is something more Love is more than a good feeling. Love is more than misdirected selfishness. Love is washing dirty feet. It's not just the things that make you feel good that you're attracted to, because real love is not you meet my needs, but I'm going to meet your needs. Real love is not you complete me, but it's saying, what will it take to complete you? What do you need from me? The opposite ways of coming at love, one is your life for mine, hunger. I'll be in a relationship with you as long as it meets my needs. 
You know, we live in a culture that says that this is love. If a relationship isn't scratching that itch in every moment, oh, we'll just get a new one. But Jesus gives us a different way. My life for yours. And this is how love actually works. Think about it. You know, today as we're celebrating mothers and mother figures, what makes a mother? A child, or or more specifically, loving a child. And how does a child grow into a healthy adult? The only way a child grows into a healthy adult is if a parent or a caregiver consistently died to their own convenience. I mean... Parenting is just one sacrifice after another sacrifice after another sacrifice after another sacrifice after another sacrifice. When you say, my life for yours, I give up my preference, my convenience, my selfishness, it can feel like a death, but it leads to life. You know, one final example. Let's say that there's someone who you don't really like. And not only do you not like them, but you find them very irritating. In fact, everyone maybe finds them irritating. And this person is having a problem, and they want to come over and talk to you about it for an entire morning or an afternoon. And so what do you say? Now, the normal way may be, oh, sorry, I won't be home. No, I'll never be home. No, I've moved to another continent. Oh, what a shame. Oh, no, the internet's down over on that continent. You know, that's looking out for your own needs. It feels like life in the moment, but it spreads death. That person is experiencing the death of not having anybody who's going to listen to them when they're in their moment of need. And in fact, you're spreading death into your own heart because you've become hard-hearted. But what if this person who's very irritating that you don't really want to spend time with, what if they, you know, they come and they sit down and you spend your morning and you talk with them and you pray with them? You know, in the moment, it feels like that that's really hard. Maybe that, that that feels like a death and yet it's life. You become a little more like Jesus And it spreads something of his love to them. You know, Jesus, as he's preparing his disciples, he's saying, this is about love. And there are two ways to view the world. One is, I'm on my own and everything has to meet my needs. It's hunger. And the other is, my life for yours. And the more you do, my life for yours, it leads to life. The more you say, my needs are first, My life first, my needs are first. You choose what looks like life, but it leads to death. The love Jesus calls us to is not just attraction, it's action. It's serving the interests of another person rather than your own, whether you get anything out of it or not. And that's the first part of the definition. And it's something that not only you can practice with people that you're not attracted to, but you especially ought to. Because there's a good possibility that no one else is. Which brings me to my second point. The love that Jesus calls us to is a love that's not just giving, but investing. 
So I think the first mistake that we can make is that love is just an emotional thing. You know, when I feel attracted to someone, I want to be with them, they meet my needs, that's real love. And Jesus says, yeah, no, that's actually hunger. It's a form of hunger where you're basically not loving them, but you're loving yourself through them. And the second mistake we can make is go the other extreme. And we say something like, oh, okay, so loving Love is just serving people, just serving them. Let's just do what they need, just, just make my sacrifice, okay. So I just need, to, just need to do it, I just need to white knuckle it, I just need to make myself do it. I might not enjoy it, but it's good for me. It's just about getting it done. It's just about getting it done. Now, there are times in relationships when we do do what is needed, even when we don't feel like it. In fact, as I just said, if parents didn't do that, if parents didn't just meet the needs of their children when they don't feel like it, we'd all be dead. (laughs) And sometimes, of course, you do have to, you know, serve even when you don't feel like it. But if ultimately our service to other people doesn't engage our heart, we miss the point. Yes, we're supposed to do good things, but if we're emotionless servers, never feeling, never investing our hearts, we've missed the point. Why? Because we're invited to care about the effect of our service in another person's life. And what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus doesn't just massage their feet, he washes them. And this is symbolic of where he's heading, to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus bridges the gap caused by sin and evil, and he washes us clean. And in John 13, verses 7 to 8, 7 to 8 Peter is like, no, not my feet. You're Lord. You're not washing my feet. That's just not right. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And Jesus isn't talking about feet. The foot washing, the dirt, the vileness, it's, it's symbolic of sin. He's showing them what he's come to do, to wash away sin. Jesus is saying, I've come to do a lot more than clean feet. I've come to clean hearts of self-centeredness and cruelty and anxiety, of evil and sin and death. And in Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. And Isaiah, speaking of Jesus, says that he will see the results of his suffering and be satisfied. In other words, Jesus had a purpose, a vision, and his actions and how he feels about his actions, even going to the cross, is transformed by that. Is that how we think about how we're going to serve people? Are we invested? We could think of it this way. You know, if you love somebody and you see them doing something harmful to themselves, you get angry at them, right? For their sake. But the opposite of love isn't anger. The opposite of love is hate. And the final form of hate is indifference. To not care that somebody's feet are dirty that their lives are a mess, that they don't know the love of God. It's indifference. 
And so Jesus calls us to a love that's not just attraction, it's action. And it's not just white knuckling and doing the right thing, it's caring. And it's, it's not just giving, it's investing. Which is all good and well, right? Like those are great things to say. Like, yeah, let's embody our prayer. Let's love others and invest in action, washing feet like Jesus. But also, that's hard. Like, I'm a mother to two children. I can't be mothering everybody. Like, there's only so much of me to go around. And if I'm honest, I look at Jesus' call, and more often than I'd like, I simply think, I can't do that. And here's why it's so hard. It's all simple economics, which isn't a phrase I thought I'd ever say. (laughs) But what do I mean by simple economics? You know, if I'm broke and you ask me to buy you lunch, I can't. I can't give away what I don't have. It's simple economics. That's the depth of my understanding of this analogy. (laughs) In the same way, though, you can't give away love if you're empty inside. The reason why most of us have to basically only love people that we're attracted to is because we need those people to love us back, who will make us feel good about ourselves. Why? Because we're empty. You know, in Romans 5, Paul says... God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul's not saying we know that God or we know that God loves us unconditionally or conceptually or we understand that God loves us by looking at what he's done. He's talking about an experienced reality, the love of God poured into our hearts, a filling of God's love. We can't give what we don't have. We can't be generous in our love for others if we're not feeling loved ourselves, if we're empty. And how do we know if we're empty? Well, to start, we'll only be able to love those who love us back, who will make us feel good. In other words, you have to always be in a profit relationship. You've got to be in one where you're you're getting back at least as much as you're giving or maybe a little bit more. You're making a profit, and why? Because you're empty. And if you were were going to just give money away, like really give money away without regard for anything, you'd have to have an almost infinite supply of money coming in all the time. And if you're going to love the way that Jesus Christ says you should, you, we, we're going to need an infinite supply of absolutely free, unconditional love coming into our heart all the time. And the good news is, Jesus says, I can give you that. <laughs> and to receive his love, we need just two things. Number one, we need to come to Jesus as God. It's one thing to read the story and say, Oh, isn't that nice? Jesus washing the feet of disciples. What a great example he is. He's such a nice man. You know, if we see him washing the feet of other people and we say, oh, 
that's just so nice. That's such a great example. The key is not to see him washing other people's feet, but to look down, to see him washing your feet, that God in the flesh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, sinless, blameless, is washing your feet. He's washing away your shame, your guilt, your mistakes, your hurt, that you are loved, set free, embraced, whole. So we come to Jesus as God. We receive his sacrifice for us, his love. And then number two, as I get the rest of the band up, we come back to Jesus as God. Because a life following Jesus, it's not just a one-off decision to come to him as God. It's intentionally coming back to the cross again and again. It's relishing and receiving a love that is in a fresh way every day. You know, His mercies are new every morning. And this is why we started this series on prayer. Prayer is inhaling. It's drawing in the love of God so that when we exhale, we're not empty. If all we're doing is exhaling, we look for love in the wrong places. Even the good things that we are doing, we can twist and turn them into something that we take love from in a hungry way. But when we come to God, first in prayer, we're saying, God, pour into me, flood my heart with your love. There's a song that you might know. The lyrics of the bridge say, Fill me up until I overflow. I want to run over. I want to run over. Because come on, this morning, mother, sister, aunt, grandma, father, brother, uncle, grandfather, the greatest gift that we can give you today is the chance to receive the love of God. It's in Him that we live and breathe and have our very being. Would you stand with me? We're going to take a moment to receive the love of God afresh. We're going to sing this song. To be filled by God's love until it overflows into the lives of those around us. So right now, if you feel comfortable, would you raise your hands or just God's presence is here? You know, as he said before, that God sees you. He sees those spots in your lives where you're feeling empty. He sees the unseen and the seen work of, of motherhood. He sees those times when you feel absolutely on your own. But all we need to do is say, fill us up, God. Fill us up, God. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.